everybody and welcome to the season preview episode of the Fear the Phoenix podcast. This one's always a fun one. You know, everybody's starting zero and zero. Everybody's feeling optimistic. Um, well, at least I hope everybody's feeling optimistic. But uh, either way, college basketball is back and excited to talk about Green Bay hoops. And my name is Brian Dickman. Of course, I got my guy Jim Saro here with me. Jim, how are you doing today? Brian, I am great. My heart is racing right now. I can't tell if that's the vodka Red Bull I'm drinking or if it's because the Phoenix season is starting in the very near future. Yeah. Yeah, we're recording this on Saturday afternoon. So uh, maybe by the time some people are listening to it, the game will have already been played on Monday. But um, hopefully not. Hopefully you're listening to this, you know, in your cubicle in Appleton or uh, you know, you're sitting in traffic on 172 on your way to work on Monday. Or if you're like Jim, you're listening on your way to Terre Haute, Indiana. Um, but yeah, hopefully hopefully you're able to catch us before the game starts on Monday, 6 p.m. at Indiana State. Season will get started. Um, but just a couple of uh, housekeeping notes here, Jim. So you and I were able to chat with the head coach, Will Ryan, a couple weeks ago. So for anybody listening that hasn't had a chance to listen to that one yet, Make sure you go back and, and listen. Uh, we really appreciate Coach you know, taking some time and talking with us. I thought it was a pretty good conversation, so definitely well worth it to, to uh, go back and listen to that one. And then uh, another one here, uh, we got the Let It Rock intro is back. So, Jim, just off the top of your head here, I'm putting you on the spot, but can you guess what year that song, Let It Rock, debuted? I'd say 2008. How how did oh. I do? I'd say you probably just looked that up right now because that's the correct answer. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I'm not sure how that song kind of became synonymous with with Green Bay hoops. But you know, whenever I hear that song, that's that's the first thing that comes to my head is Green Bay basketball. So uh, we're bringing back the Let It Rock intro. We, I like the one we had for the off season with uh, with Coach Ryan's quotes, but. Um, let it rock is back. And then, uh, last but not least, I've been back writing on fearthephoenix.com. So if, you know, if you're bored, go ahead and check out some of the things I've been writing on there. Hopefully going to try and be a little more active writing stuff. Um, trying to keep the recruiting stuff up to date. And Jim, I know you and I say this every year, but, um, I think we're going to try and be more proactive with these podcasts as well. So, um, <laughs> let's, let's see if we can actually hold ourselves to that this year. So I guess we can just get right into it. 
exhibition season is over. Green Bay did go 2-0. and not sure if we're supposed to know that or not because uh, no information has been released. It seems like Green Bay is kind of a, a trendsetter in that regard, Jim. You look around the league, there's more and more teams doing that now, not releasing a box score or anything like that. But um, for me, I was not able to attend, but I did have uh, our guy Brian Kuklinski on the radio. I was tuned in. You know, it felt like I was there with with uh, you know Brian does such a good job on the radio broadcast. But you were there. You got to to witness you know firsthand <laughs> a couple of uh, of dicey games. I guess would be a nice way to say it. But um, Green Bay does go two and zero. They knocked off St. Norbert and Michigan Tech. But I guess you know kind of overall, Jim, is there a big takeaway that you have from these two games, or is this just kind of you know chalk it up to being an exhibition and you know, they didn't lose. Let's just get the regular season going. I mean, obviously the final scores are way too close for comfort. And in the way that the information is being uh, relayed in the exhibition season where there's no box score, no video highlights, uh, you know, there's really nothing telling the story. So all you really have to go on is the final score. It makes it look like Green Bay wasn't in control of either games or either of the games. In in the St. Norbert's game, uh, it took them a while to get rolling, um, but coming down the, the stretch, you know, they had opened up a seven-point lead in the second half after being down at the half and kind of felt like they had pretty good control of what was a rock fight, low-possession game. And against Michigan Tech, they had a 14-point lead, you know, halfway through the second half, looked really good, put some, you know, deeper reserve guys in, uh, gave up the lead a little bit. But the thing that was common for both games, and this is the part that has to be maybe cleaned up as we head into the regular season. They were very below average at the free throw line uh, down the stretch in both games. And that was really, really frustrating, you know, because, the, you know, I don't know how many points you need to win these games by to have people like not pay attention to it. But I know that, you know, in the Michigan tech game, they probably missed like seven out of eight before Zay Blake made two like two seconds. I mean, almost every one. And and then the other thing that was a a little bit of a concern in both games, um, when I think about Will Ryan's first year at Green Bay, the team did not turn the ball over. You know, they were really disciplined. They they made smart plays and just didn't beat themselves. And the style of basketball that he was playing, you know, you kind of have to do that. There was a lot more of the you know, undisciplined, difficult pass, trying to make a home run play instead of the simple play. And, you know, when you do that and just eliminate scoring opportunity after scoring opportunity, you know, you're going to find yourself in a, a dogfight that you don't want to be in. And so those are kind of the common themes of both games. Yeah. Yeah, especially the the free throw shooting. You know, it seems like a lot of these guys, you know, individually are good free throw shooters, too, so that bunch of them are plus 70% in their previous schools. So it's like kind of interesting that, you know, as soon as they get to Green Bay, <laughs> I don't know if it's, you know, new surroundings or, or what it is. But, um, you know, we kind of saw at the beginning of last season, they were they had a bunch of these close type games and they weren't able to close them out. So I guess a, a slightly positive takeaway, even though, you know, the opposition wasn't the greatest. They they were able to close out the games and win. So, um, but I think on the, you know, overall, I wouldn't read too much into exhibition results, but 
Maybe a little bit of a reality check, though, if if anyone was expecting to uh, challenge for a conference title this season, I would say. <laughs> but yeah, anything else on the exhibition? Well, uh, you know, something else that you can say about the games, like both teams that they played have a like a, a geographic reason to circle this one on the calendar. Like I think yeah. you got the you, you didn't necessarily get their best effort all season, but you got the very best effort that those teams could give at this point in the year. And you know, you know, Crosstown, St. Norbert's, and just up the uh, highway, Michigan Tech. Against St. Norbert's, they were uh, down early. Against Michigan Tech, they went on eight nothing. So the difference in control and who was going to win, like it never felt like Michigan Tech that until maybe the very end where St. Norbert's kind of, it felt like there was a better opportunity for them to win. Yeah. And, and the way that St. Norbert plays too, especially on defense where they're just packing it in. Um, it sounded like Green Bay couldn't even really get, you know, an entry pass into the post. Um, probably not going to face too many teams that are going to pack it in quite like that. Um, I think if they continue to struggle shooting the three point shot, that we might see a little bit of that, you know, pack it in type defense since, you know, they have no reason to extend the defense out and, and close out on shooters like that. But um, I don't think we'll get it to the extent that St. Norbert, you know, every guy had a foot in the lane, maybe both feet in the lane, it sounded like. So, yeah, that's the uh, the exhibition season. So we're moving on to the non-conference schedule. Like I mentioned at the top, starting things off at Indiana State Monday night, so I, I noticed the Vegas line came out last night, Jim, and Green Bay is a 17.5 point underdog as we speak right now on Saturday. I thought that was kind of high, but you know, looking at Ken Palm and and uh, Bart Torvik, I know you you're not a big fan of the the Ken Palm preseason numbers, but I mean, it, it seems like that's what the Vegas people are using to to go off to get that kind of a line, but. Um, what, do, what do you think about that when you say that 17 and a half number for Monday night? Well, I think that it really comes down to people think Indiana State is going to be, the, because they're the higher rated team playing at home, that they're going to dictate their style of play, which is higher speed, more possessions in the game, more three-point shooting, you know, more of like an NBA style offense. And, you know, Green Bay one thing that was on display for Green Bay in both exhibition games is that their defense is way better than it was last year, and they're feisty. And so if Green Bay is able to slow down the number of possessions in the game, uh, you know, that'll go a long way towards, you know, making the, the Vegas numbers not look very smart. The other thing about that number is Indiana State has a team of known quantities. All of the players that are in the rotation were either – on their team last year or were in division one last year and green Bay uh, has the opposite. I mean, you know, when a, uh, a Ken Palm puts in a, you know, a rating for the various players, like they're basically assigning the lowest value possible to every single one of our guys, because there's nothing to go off of. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. So I guess we'll see, you know, MVC team is uh, always a good kind of a measuring stick game. So we're going to find out pretty quick. Um, you know, how this team stacks up, especially compared, you know, coming off the heels of those two exhibition games or didn't look the best. Um, you know, now's a chance to get that turned around pretty quick. So uh, we'll see how it goes Monday night. But uh, so as far as the rest of the schedule, Jim, I, I don't think you and I have talked 
maybe we have about you know the the full overall non conference schedule. But I mean, it breaks down to what is it? They have two home games out of you know eleven non conference games. Uh, two of them uh, obviously at a neutral site in Jamaica, but that means seven true road games. What do you think? I mean, I guess a three-part question here. What do you think is the best-case scenario record-wise? What do you think is a realistic, you know, win-loss record coming out of the non-conference? And then what would be, you know, like the floor where if they do worse than this, it it would be disappointing? Yeah, I mean, you know, on the worst-case scenario, um, they haven't won a non-conference division one game in this, you know, the previous two seasons. Yeah, I think it's a 12 game losing streak. <laughs> Something yes. Stupid like that. Yep. So, I mean, the op- you know, obviously the absolute worst would be 0 and 11. And there are a lot of people out there that think, Oh, that's exactly where they're going to be. Uh, I don't think that's the case. Absolute best. It's a tough, uh, it's a tough slate. Cause you have, Four high majors on the road. Granted, three of them are coming off of really bad seasons. And then you have a Loyola who is, you know, really turned their program around and now in the Atlantic 10. So there's five games right there where you know, you know, they're, they're not the favorite to win. Uh, so let's just say that that holds true and they don't win any of those. You know, that puts you at six and five as your best case, um, scenario. So, I wrote in the Horizon uh, roundtable preview for Green Bay. I don't think the non-conference schedule is going to be telling of how good this team is, assuming that the team can weather the storm of a tough schedule and playing away from home so often. You know, if they can stay together through that and you know get to the Horizon League play, I think you'll see a, a better results. But I mean, you're somewhere between you know the worst case pundits of zero wins and. <laughs> I just being totally realistic and saying, Hey, 88% of high majors went at home. So, and we've got four and a half of those. So maybe you get a game out of those five. Um, so yeah, you're probably six and five is your best case in my mind. Yeah. I mean, if you could go, if you're predicting game by game, you don't have to go through each game, but I mean, what do you think we're looking at as far as, you know, 11 non-conference games? What do you think they, they're looking at? after we're said and done here. Yeah, I mean, realistically, I think, you know, there's a really strong case to be made for beating Queens. Uh, you know, they're going to be without their coach. They're transitioning from with uh, some D2 players to D1, and they play a style of basketball that doesn't have any big guys. So we can pound them inside. So that's probably a win. Depending on the next game, Morgan State or Utah Valley, um, you know, it could be a toss-up. I think Utah Valley is pretty tough. Morgan State, um you know, on paper doesn't seem as good. UIC is definitely winnable. I mean, a pretty bad Green Bay team last year went to UIC late in the season and had a four point loss. And, um, you know, so there, and that was when they had Demario Franklin, who's now at Memphis, kind of. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, UMKC and St. Thomas are definitely winnable games. So, um, yeah, you know, there's, there's probably four or five wins in there for sure. Um, but, you know, if you're sitting at four and seven, that's not going to exactly, um, you know, take the heat off the season and the, the, you know, the pundits, even though they won't understand how difficult the schedule was to get to four and seven or five and six. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean that just kind of goes back to to what you've been preaching for for years and years about scheduling, but that's another topic. So for me, I I, I kind I of agree. Pocket Red Bull for that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe light light on the Red Bull, but um. So for me, we're we're kind of in the you know the same boat. I thought the best case scenario was five and six. I mean, I that you know it's just it, it it's a really tough schedule. A lot of road games. A lot of high to you know, A10 major opponents. Realistically, I think four and seven, you know, probably doable. Like you mentioned Queens, I think that's got to be circled as like, okay, if this, this team is was in D2 last year, they're not going to have their coach. Neutral floor, I mean, that that should be one. I, I think 2-0 and oh in Jamaica is not a high expectation. I think that's something that we should be expecting. Should be expecting to win both games in Jamaica. UIC as well. I, I had that one down as a win, and then uh, yeah, maybe UMKC, St. Thomas, one of those two. So four and seven. I think I'll be pretty disappointed with anything less than three wins, and I, I don't think that's asking a lot. But um, that's just kind of where we're at. So you know, enjoy the process, I guess, <laughs> as long as they're getting better on the way. So yeah, signs of progress are really important. Winning is going to be important, and the one thing you can say with all with all the teams, you know, and I don't want to rule out anything here, but you pretty pretty much put Wisconsin as a loss, and I pretty much have uh, Stanford as a loss, even though they're coming off a difficult season. They've got a lot of size. Everything else, though, you could make a case. I'm not saying they're going to win all these games. You could make a case that they could be in the game. Like, you know, you could make a case – for them to win at Indiana State. You could make a case for them to beat Oregon State. You could make a case for them to beat UIC or yeah, UMKC has like eleven freshmen on their team. So yeah. there's a case to beat all of these other teams. This is not gonna be the you know, the win probability favors, you know, the opponent in several of them. But it's not like, well, oh, there's no freaking chance. It's just <laughs> it's gonna be tough. Yeah, I think Oregon State was like two hundred and forty in Ken Palm last year. They were they were like a bad Horizon League team. Um, they won three games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wisconsin, uh, we don't even need to talk about that, but they've lost by 40, I think, the last two times. So, um, yeah, that, that's tough playing a team with pretty much the same style of play with except, you know, Big Ten players. Um, but, yeah, I agree. And, you know, as far as the over, overall project, I feel like, you know, we're in year three of this now. We do, you know, it's important to see progress, but you're right. It's time to time to start seeing some victories. So, all right, that's the uh, the non-conference portion. They do have a uh, couple of Horizon League games sandwiched in between there with uh, UWM and IEPUI coming to Green Bay. So it's interesting. They're, they're on the road for a long time, and then they've got, you know, what is that? Four of their four, a five game stretch with four of them at home, and then they're back on the road again. So interesting how it how it all works out, including a NBA style back to back against IAPUI and then Loyola. But um, yeah, it's it's exciting that that the uh, the season's finally here. So that's our look at the schedule. So now, Jim, let's kind of talk through the roster and you know what. Maybe what you saw during the exhibitions. Do you think that you know the the lineups that we saw closing out the games? Do you think that's kind of what we're going to see when the lights are on for real, or do you think there's a lot of tinkering going on still 
um, as far as, you know, lineups and rotation and things like that. I think there's still some tinkering. I think the, the people that will be in the, you know, the starting five or the, you know, closing out a game, like there's a pool of players that you could kind of point to and say, these are the guys that probably are in that pool. But which of the players individually is actually closing out the game? I would say that's probably to be determined yet because, you know, you look at like Ziegler and, uh, and Blake is a really good example. Uh, Blake has played has had more statistical success in the two games, but Ziegler might have a little bit higher upside. And, you know, the, mm-hmm. he started both games over Blake. So, you know, Jenkins started both games and he was in the, you know, on the court at the end of both games. Uh, Cummings started both games and for sure is going to be a closer. Myers a starter and a closer. Uh, Hefner didn't start the uh, St. Norbert's game. He did against Michigan Tech. Uh, but he played a ton against Michigan Tech, and you know you would think he's going to play a ton, um, you know, down the stretch. But I guess my point is like there's probably seven or eight guys that you know are going to play, and then probably two or three other guys that are trying to buy for the last one or two spots. And depending on who they're playing, how, who's playing well, you know, I don't think anybody has a set role in that group yet. Yeah, I think you know it's a good good way to put it. I kind of jotted down what I thought the starting five would look like i don't i don't know if you wanted to touch on that or not but um i'm kind of curious you you mentioned ziegler cummings hefner and meyer i have them in my starting five as well i threw garen uh, garen davis in there kind of curious to hear your thoughts on how he's looked in the exhibition season it sounded like he had a a good first half against st norbert kind of faded down the stretch just kind of curious what you know do you think he'll be a guy who's in the starting lineup, maybe he's a rotation guy. What are your thoughts on Garen Davis? Yeah, I think he's in that group of guys that is definitely uh, in the rotation. He didn't start either game. Uh, he wasn't the first guy to come off the bench in, in either game. However, I would say that, you know, he's going to be playing uh, against St. Norbert's. He got to the hoop three times in the first half. I think he also made another uh, basket somewhere along the way, uh, maybe a three-pointer. Uh, against Michigan Tech, he had a, a three-pointer pretty late in the second half that seemed pretty monumental. Uh, he didn't have as much success getting to the hoop, but he was definitely trying to still drive to the basket. Um, so I, I see him as one of the guys that is probably going to play. He's also one of the guys, though, that um, maybe has showed a little bit of needs to clean up his decision-making if he's really going to be on the court at the end of games. Like, you know, he's had a couple of passes that were – um, yeah, I think he would like back. <laughs> yeah. You know, another guy we didn't mention is um, Donovan Short. And it, just with how thin they are in the front court, I think he's a guy who's going to have to play, you know, some minutes. And I think a lot of Green Bay fans are looking forward to watching him play, but I think it's going to be kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say a slow go of it, but um, he's going to have to kind of ease his way into into playing Division One basketball. Um so I think he's going to have a role, but it might not be, you know, starting five anytime soon. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I think Donovan has a, a very high ceiling. He is got a good size. He He's a big guy who gets big. That's something I really like. You know, some big guys play small. He's a big guy that gets big. Um, but I would tell you that right now, two days before the season starts, when we're recording this, that Cade and Brock are – 
more effective players, but they're also in their second year of playing. You know, Donovan's a guy that might be better than both of them down the road, but right now he's not. So I would see him as the rotational third big man. And then depending on if you want to play small ball or not, he may or may not be in the rotation. So you could have a scenario where you're using a Cummings to guard bigger guys and maybe not playing Donovan just based on what the other team is having success with or how you want to you know match up. But I definitely think he's, you know, he's in my top nine guys, top nine guys, but he might be one of the guys that, you know, you might see in the first half of the game and then the strategy shifts and somebody else is playing, you know, a Cummings might be playing those minutes uh instead of him in the second half or vice versa. You know, he might not you might not see him in the first half and then he'll be in the second half. So I just I see him as a piece and I see him as a piece that's gonna get better as the season goes along. Like you, know, you can see that he went from playing um smaller town, smallish town high school basketball to now being in D one. There's a little there's a learning curve there. Uh but I think he's gonna make big strides as the season goes along. Yeah, I agree. Um I think I wrote that you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of has the same trajectory as Kamari McGee, where, you know, as the season went along, he was coming off the bench, and then eventually he was in the starting lineup. But um, hopefully it doesn't end with him transferring out. <laughs> but um, so any other players to touch on, Jim? I know, um, you know, it seems like, you know, we've got some some good pieces, maybe not enough, you know, as far as the depth goes. But, um, you know, there there's definitely some pieces. I think Cade Myers potentially a uh you know all horizon type player been impressed with with my guy Brock Hefner shout out Grafton you know just a guy who kind of does the dirty work on defense and on the glass you know high energy high effort guy but yeah just anything else you want to touch on as far as the roster the rotation yeah Brock was uh you know he was shaking some rust off against St. Norbert's in terms of, he had an injury that kept him out obviously he sat out last season but he was pretty active. You know, he had steel. He was on the glass. Uh, you know, he got to the free throw line at least once. But he was really good against Michigan Tech. Like, just big, physical. You know, he was just kind of all over the place. He, you know, they played really well, uh, him and Meyer together at one stretch. And so I would tell you that uh, he is starting to round into shape, uh, basketball shape. And I think he's uh, going to be a big contributor um, I also think that, you know, Randy Tucker had some really nice offensive moments in both games. Um, you know, he had knocked down some, uh, deep jumpers in both games. One, one game he hit a three, uh, the first game in St. Norbert's, he hit a, a jumper with his foot on the line. And for Randy, who I do have in the rotation, I think they trust Randy a lot. Um, for Randy, I would tell you that, him having that early success in these games is probably going to be big to like help him out because obviously he had a tough year shooting last year and he's a better shooter than we saw last year. Um, but I think he's a guy that they trust to be out there um, and contributing in you know a reserve, more than likely in some sort of reserve role. Yeah, I think just with how poorly they shot the ball last year, I think anybody that can make shots is going to be you know they're going to find time for you. So. I especially think of a guy like Braden Daly, who we heard uh, Coach Ryan say was going off at practice last year. You know, even if he's not, you know, fully up to speed on the D1 game or anything like that, um, you know, just his shooting ability, I think if he can hit shots consistently, I think that's a guy that can also be a part of the rotation. 
Jack Rose is in the exact same boat. Like uh, yeah. Jack yep. is, uh, he was one for two against Norbert's, one for one uh, against Machine Tech. Uh, he also got to the line against Norbert's. He he's coming in looking to score, uh, very confident, and he took good shots in both games. Like I'm not sure that he's like as physically ready as uh, like a Garen Davis, who you know was like who's big, strong guy. So I'm not sure that they're ready to play him. 20 minutes a game, but he's a guy that, again, is going to probably push for minutes as the season goes along because he's a really effective uh, scorer off the bench from what we've seen so far. Yeah, and just the last thing I had jotted down here was it'll be interesting to see if um, Amari Jedkins decides to use a redshirt year. Uh, we heard Coach Ryan say, ultimately, it's up to the player, um, but um, I think, you know, just he's a high-ceiling guy, but still pretty raw, probably could use a year you know, in the weight room and, and, um, you know, getting up to speed on, on the D one game and, and things like that. But, um, yeah, that's, that's all I had jotted down for the roster. Jim, any, any other final thoughts on that? Yeah. I did want to give a little, uh, shout out. We saw Ryan Wade for the first time against Michigan tech. And I was, uh, I was actually pretty impressed with his on the ball defense. Like he got called for a ridiculous ticky tack foul, but, uh, I actually think that was the referee trying to send a message to the, uh, coaching staff more than, uh, anything Ryan did. But, uh, he's from a reserve perspective. Like if he got in there, you would feel uncomfortable. So, uh, he, he looked pretty decent in the few minutes that he was on the court. So just a little shout out for Ryan. Yeah, and uh, speaking of shout-outs, so I want to give a shout-out to uh, um, our guy, Double J, on the message board posting updates from the Crest Center, it sounded like. So real quick, though, Jim, just going to play a little stupid game with you. So how well do you know the Green Bay Phoenix roster by the number? Like if I listed off a couple of numbers, would you be able to say which player <laughs> that number is? <laughs> so Well... In my brain, I would tell you, oh, yeah. But if you put me on the spot, I'd probably have the following answer. Ready for it? Um, <laughs> While you're searching <laughs> for the roster yeah. online. Give me one, though. Let's fire away. Okay. Um, I'm just going to pull up his thread here. It's okay, 55. That's a pretty easy one. Nate Jenkins. Yep. Number four. Devin Ziegler. You're correct. Number three. Clarence Cummings. Number 11. Cade Meyer. All right. I got to do a hard one here. Um, number five. Zay Blake. Man, you got... <laughs> you know the roster pretty well. Okay, one more. Uh, number one. Uh, Randy Tucker. There you go. Wow. Very good. Well, thank you for uh, entertaining me with this stupid game. It sounds like you won the game, whatever the prize is, but uh, <laughs> very good. So, all right, that's that's the roster. We'll see. Um, that's that's who we're taking to battle starting Monday night. So, so last thing, Jim, we're just uh, as we usually do. We we like to make our uh, Horizon League predictions. Uh, we could probably revisit this, I guess, in December before the conference season really gets cranking up, but. Um, Kind of curious to see just how you had your standings, like how you how you you know foresee it going. I think the Horizon League poll had Purdue, Fort Wayne, and Northern Kentucky tied for the top spot. But just kind of curious to see if you want to go through 
how you had things shaking out. Yeah, I did a, I did my top 11 for the league and I had the same thing the poll had. I have Fort Wayne number one and Northern Kentucky number two. Um, you know, when you look at Fort Wayne, that's a, that's an experienced ball club. They've got, you know, good depth. And while they lost, uh, uh, Jalen Pipkins to graduation, you know, a guy like, I think it's Anthony Roberts was the D2 transfer. He looks like the same kind of player, you know, big body, athletic, slash to the hoop, can shoot a little bit. So I feel pretty good that they're, you know, that they're going to be a strong contender. Honestly, the only issue that you really have looking at them on paper, last year they didn't have a great season. They had a good finish to the season. I mean, they won like nine out of the last 10 games and then mm-hmm. in the Horizon League tournament. But they didn't, like, they weren't great all year. This wasn't, Cleveland State, this wasn't, you know, Wright State or Northern Kentucky from past years where they were like, you know, wire to wire. This is a team that, you know, kind of poured it on as the season went along. And so, you know, there's a certain element of like, okay, how do you, you know, when you get hot, how do you stay hot as opposed to it's just winning is just what you do. But I, I think that they're good enough to uh, to repeat. Um, I'm, I'm willing to take that chance because they've got enough players. What about you? Who do you, who do you think is number one, Brian? So kind of along those lines, I actually went with Northern Kentucky, number one. Um, I, I like the team that they're bringing back. I got a, a lot of respect for uh, for Darren Horn. He, he has a, you know, a system, and they stick to that system, and, and it works. Um, so I think they're, they're going to be number one. I do have Purdue-Fort Wayne second, and the only reason I had them second is kind of like you were saying, I don't want to call it, you know, fluky because when you – when you're that good over a span of time, it's not really a fluke. But at the same time, like you said, it kind of like snuck up on people almost how they, you know, they they tied for the regular season championship. So, but yeah, I have them second. And then third, I had Wright State just because I love Scott Nagy. You know, they they just have a program that they're just always going to be in the, always in the, the, the conversation for a title. So um got Wright State third. I put Oakland fourth just because, you know, they've, I like the guys they brought in. It's just kind of a question of, it seems like it's a question every year of, do they have enough guys? <laughs> really? They're going to, you know, they're going to play six or seven guys again, probably. And who knows, you know, towards the end of the season, are they going to be hurt? Or are they going to be out of gas? But I think they'll be fourth. And then I have to round out my top five. I've got Youngstown State number five. On paper, probably one of the better teams they've had there ever. It just kind of shows you how bad they've been as a program. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, they are they probably could be picked higher, but just based on their history and, and, you know, their Youngstown State, let's be honest, they're not finishing in the top four of this league. So that, that runs out the rest of my top five. What does the rest of your top five look like? So it's funny. I've uh, I've got the same three teams, just in a different order. So I have uh, I have Youngstown as the third team in the league. In I'm just a hater, apparently. No, no, <laughs> Youngstown no. hater. You know, Jeff Hampirian, uh is still in your nightmares. That's all I know. And he uh, is. Yeah, that guy's draining threes at a YMCA somewhere right now. Oh yeah, it's noon ball somewhere. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, when I look at their team, I think on paper that is the deepest team in the league, and you see the least amount of drop-off. Like, they have high-end, you know, starters and probably the least amount of drop-off to the reserves, and, you know, look like there's there's a case for nine or ten guys that could play 
and you'd say, yeah, not only, you know, not only are they going to play, they could, you know, interchangeably start. And, but the thing I, I, the reason I didn't pick them higher, even though I think they have the best on paper depth is what does their system do well? Like, you know, are they a defensive team? Are they an offensive team? Like, what do they do exceptionally well? It's one of the things that winning teams, you know, they do something exceptionally well, usually. They're not just like pretty good at one thing or pretty good at the other. Like, they do something really good. You know, think of like when, you know, Green Bay was winning Horizon League regular season titles and going to the Horizon League finals with Coach Wardle. Those teams played defense. They played balls out defense. Like, you aren't scoring on those guys. Um, you know, so that's one thing I, I look at with Youngstown that, you know, could keep me or had kept me from putting them higher. And the other thing that kept me from putting them higher is when you have so many pieces and so many guys that can play, how do you define the roles? How do you keep everybody happy? Um, you know, like it's the Eric Musselman thing again, like, Hey, if I only have eight guys, no, nobody's upset. <laughs> well, when you've got <laughs> 10 or 11 guys, there's going to be some people that, you know, are looking around going, well, you know, I could do that. I could have made that turnover or I could have missed that shot or whatever, you know, they thinking they could play. So I had them third. I have Youngstown, uh, or excuse me, I have Wright State fourth. Very hard to go against Coach Nagy. He definitely knows what he's doing. He's got decades of experience that says that if he's your coach, you're likely going to be winning. Um, but I didn't go higher for them. I really like their guard play, but I'm not sure that their front court you know, like Blake Sisley and AJ Braun and uh, this Noel person. Um, this isn't Love and Vasily. Like, this isn't the same. You know, they could be in the future. They just, in my opinion, aren't there yet. And so, you know, part of what has made Wright State so good the last couple of years is that their front court was way better than everybody else's. Like, way better. And uh, I, I'm not sure that it is. I'm not saying those guys are scrubs. I'm just saying that they're not, you know, player of the year level players in my opinion so i have them fourth and i have oakland fifth uh jalen moore is easily one of the top two players in the league when he's uh, healthy and they're gonna play a fun style they've got <clears throat> you know guys that are you know gonna be uh, fit that style but when they go up against teams with some bigs i think that you're going to see um, you know, they're going to struggle to rebound if you have a, a viable big man, like a mobile big man like Cade Meyer or Brock Hafner probably could do really well against Oakland. Uh, the other thing you already alluded to it is, you know, they don't have depth. And, you know, the problem with that is like really good teams actually, in my mind, usually don't have depth. And the reason I, you know, we we're talking about this privately, but why they don't have depth is hard to have two Jalen Moores. <laughs> it's hard to have. You know, uh, two Trey Townsend's like if these guys were running around and coming to the Horizon League, that Horizon League wouldn't be playing and playing games. So it's really hard for good teams in this league to have depth. But my issue with the way Oakland plays, they're going to play fast, they're going to play aggressive, and they're going to more than likely because they don't trust their reserve players historically. You know, they play that tighter rotation. But when you play fast and you play aggressive, you're and you have some guys who have some injury history, you're likely to be running on fumes by the end of the season. And we've seen that multiple times with uh, Oakland, where they have the you know best team. I mean, they put two players in the NBA and haven't won a Horizon League title for goodness' sake. Like, <laughs> just let that resonate for a second. They have yeah. two NBA players right now and zero Horizon League titles uh, with those players. Like, so to me, as much fun as that team will be to watch, I'm not sure that they're built to win the, the championship over the course of a 20-game conference schedule. Brian, who do you have at number six? 
Number six, I went with Detroit Mercy. Um, you know, Antoine Davis is going to do his thing. They brought in a ton of transfers that, you know, looks really good on paper. They looked really good um, in our Horizon League fantasy basketball draft the other night. Um, now, will they be able to produce together and on the court and, you know, win games? Who knows? But I feel like, you know, every team from from this point down the standings has a ton of question marks and I feel like Detroit Mercy's talent you know at least is better than the rest of these teams below them so I have them at six I put Green Bay at number seven now I feel like that is a super homer super optimistic you know how the heck do you see that but here's how I'm going to rationalize it so I put IUPUI number 11. I think that, you know, that's just a given. They're, they should be last. They were the worst team in Ken Palm last year. Uh, I don't think I need to explain it any more than that. So <laughs> number 10, I put Robert Morris. And it's something that, that kind of annoys me is how much of a pass that Robert Morris gets. Like they get the benefit of the doubt on, you know, all the, like Green Bay has a ton of question marks. Robert Morris has a ton of question marks, but yet, you know, they get picked ahead of Green Bay all the time. And, you know, last year they finished 5-16, and 16, Green Bay was 4-16. and 16. <laughs> um, The past two seasons, Green Bay is 12-28, and 28, Robert Morris is 8-28. and 28. So it's like, you know, they've been worse than Green Bay, but yet they get the benefit of the doubt. So I, I'm going to put them at 10. Uh, I have Milwaukee at 9 just because I, I can't in good conscience ever put Milwaukee ahead of Green Bay in anything. So that's how I rationalize that one. And then I have Cleveland State at number eight, just because even when they were at their best winning the title and, you know, going to the NCAA tournament, I feel like they didn't have the the most talented roster. They just had a amazing coach. And uh, now that Dennis Gates has gone to Missouri, you're just left with the roster and, and a brand new coach. So, I have Cleveland State at eight, a lot of question marks, new coach, you know, same with Milwaukee, number nine, brand new roster, brand new coach, and, you know, so Green Bay's at least in year three of a system. So I feel like that is how I rationalize Green Bay at seven, but it's, it, it took a leap to get there. So <laughs> basically my, my reasoning is everyone else is going to be worse. <laughs> so, uh, but what about you? What's, what's the rest of your Horizon League looking like? I'm very uh, similar to what you have. So I have Detroit Mercy, uh, number six. I think they've had significantly more shooting and ball handling than they've had in the past. Uh, the problem for their program is even when they've had other players, you know, Bull Cool and Maduda Catch and, um, you know, the guy who's at BYU now, Noah Waterman, uh, you know, they play Antoine Davis ball. And so if – I don't think they're going – can be higher because as good as he is, and he's gotten a lot better. He went from full chucker to highly successful uh, scorer in my mind. Like when, you know, he was early in his career. Like I didn't think the way he played was additive to winning. Now I feel like he's much more additive, but he still has to share the ball. You still have to use the rest of your team. And will they get their guys to buy into that? I mean, like it took them till January to start running plays for Madu to catch last year. It's like, I knew in November that dude was a stud, but they just, you know, they're just stuck in there how they do it. So I, I'm not sure that they play a style that uh, is going to get guys really committed, even though they have much better, you know, complementary pieces. 
Uh, one side note for them and the way that roster is built, like where's the future for that program? Like it, that's, that's bleak. Yeah. Man. <laughs> like if, you know, Antoine's your thing and then all these, you know, guys that you're bringing in in their last year, you know, giving it a whirl, like, oof, that's, uh, that's yeah. some slut. There's Seems like they're all watching. in, <laughs> all in for this season. They're going to need to watch a lot of YouTube videos to find new players for next year. <laughs> um, seven, I have Green Bay as well. You know, it's important to remember two things on this. So number one, this is the Fear of the Phoenix podcast. It's not the <laughs> Phoenix, it is not the Phoenix Fail podcast. So, you know, I'm never going to pick them last. I don't care what anybody says. But, you know, when you look at their team, Clarence Cummings can ball. Straight up ball. That dude is it. You know, he can shoot from the perimeter, he can drive, he can defend, he can pass. He is an energy giver to the rest of his team. That dude is good. I really believe that. Kate is good. Brock Hafner is good. I think that the question marks here really, you know, come down to, you know, will Ziegler, Blake really emerge? And then, you know, you've got a pool of guys in, in, uh, Jenkins and Davis, Tucker, Rose. Somebody needs to, you know, really like, be the knockdown consistent shooter in that group. <laughs> but, you know, to your point, what's below them doesn't look a whole hell of a lot better. So I went, you know, number seven for Green Bay. I have uh, Robert Morris as number eight. They have a really good foundation with Khalil Spear and uh, Michael Green had an okay season last year, put up some numbers. Uh, Enoch Cheeks is one of my favorite players in the league, just a do-everything guy, a guy, and quite frankly, if he was our shooting guard in uh, on the frozen tundra, I'd feel a lot better about our prospects. Uh, and then they added a guy from, um, I believe it was Winthrop, uh, Josh Corbin. He scored 27 in their exhibition game and made like seven three-pointers or something crazy. So um, he's really good. The problem for them is beyond those guys, they do not have anybody with experience. Like, if you think Green Bay is not experienced, this is, like, the same team. whole bunch of random Juco guys, whole bunch of random uh, freshmen. <laughs> like, it's – this is not a clear-cut, like, going to be really good. There's a huge, huge uh, learning curve for their guys. Um, nine, I went UWM. I've seen this story before. I know what – you know, playing in the passing lane, up-tempo – you know, one man pressuring the ball 94 feet looks like. And, um, you know, it, it does work. It just doesn't necessarily win in division one. It's competitive, but it was the most competitive. We saw it the most competitive in Green Bay when it had, you know, some really good leftover players from a previous era of basketball. Um, Milwaukee doesn't have any good leftover players. So they're really rebuilding that from, ground zero and you know the thing about that up tempo you know playing the passing lanes like one of the things that i don't like about that style of having seen it for five years in green bay is it really doesn't cater to having any uh, big men because most of the really good big men that can shoot three-pointers don't play in this league and i that's one of the things why i don't know that's ever successful enough to win i think it's successful enough to be relevant but i don't know if they're going to be relevant this year uh 10 i had cleveland state they only have, uh, I think, by my count, four or five dudes left from the Dennis Gates culture, and it was all about that culture. It was about that bench mob, believing in each other, you know. And I'm not saying that four guys can't, four or five guys can't carry that over, but you don't have Dennis Gates. You have Daniel Robinson, and if he's not preaching the exact same thing, and I'm sure he's not because he's a different person with his own beliefs, I'm not sure that their previous culture is going to matter. Um, 
And then a couple other things that I look at with their team, like they've got uh, a guy named Drew Louder who might play a lot, but he's a little bit of a uh, score first, ask questions later kind of guy. And then Tristan Inaruma, I think is how you say his name. He's from Kansas and Iowa State. Um, you know, he's been on really good teams. He's on a really good prep school out in Utah, but he's never been more than like a 12 point per game guy. And when you see him play, it's most of his game was created off of duck ins, cuts. It wasn't like he could just go out and get you buckets. He needed somebody to set up his offense for him, at least what I saw. So I'm, I don't see a lot there and they're getting a, a, a lot of, a lot more publicity in the horizon league or a lot more benefit in the polls because they have. Spider Johnson, and he is a great uh, defensive player, but um, you know his offense, he's a seven-point-per-game guy, and four of those were off of lob alley-oops from uh, Trey Gomillion. So, like, it's not like he's going to suddenly be a 12- or 15-point-per-game score in my mind. So I've got them pretty low. Uh, not saying they don't have a good future, just saying that you know there's a lot. There's not a lot left from the team that you know won the tie uh, for the conference title last year. And then last, I have IUPUI. Um, I do think they're going to be better, but you know, when I look at their team, I, I mean, there, there's literally nothing to point at, like, <laughs> you know, like there's Juco guys coming from places. There's high school guys coming in. They've got some nice length. They've got players that I kind of like on paper. They got, I think his name's DJ Walker, um, or, or DJ Jackson. Maybe I can't remember it, but he's from a prep school in Florida. He looked pretty good. Uh, Vincent Brady, I believe is his name. he, He's the kind of guy you like, like long wing, could shoot, could dunk. Um, they got some guys, but you know they don't. They don't have any experience. And uh, it, you know, if people are pointing at Green Bay, like who are these guys? Like, you know, IUPUI is the exact same problem without the benefit of having a Cade Meyer, who's actually done it before at the D1 level. So I've got them last, but not by a, a country mile like I would have had them last year. So that's how I see it shaking out. Very good. Yeah. The. Um... The Super Bowl basically takes place pretty quickly a week from Monday, IUPUI at Chicago State. That should be a absolute barn burner to see who will be the worst team in Division One this year. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as, as a league, we gotta, we gotta win these, um, you know, the first, these non-conference mid-major on mid-major games. Um, that, that would go a long way towards helping the Horizon League metrics. So everybody get out your Horizon League apparel and cheer for, Every Horizon League team, even Milwaukee, um, but I, I noticed they have. <laughs> hey, hey, it's for the greater good. <laughs> but um, I did notice they have two non D one games in the first week to pad some stats, which is kind of crap. But um, they yeah. have three overall. Like I, I that kind of scheduling is crap. That that should not be happening in the uh, Horizon League. Like that's not cool. Well, I hope they lose those games because those don't affect the metrics. But um, yeah, otherwise, you know, we got to win these, especially the mid-major and mid-major games. Um, hopefully, knock off, you know, one or two of these high majors. I look at that Oakland uh, game where they get Oklahoma State at home, which is pretty cool. But yeah, the season's here, Jim. It's it's you know, I feel like the college basketball season it only lasts what four months, and then you have the long off season, especially if you lose that first conference tournament game and sometimes you don't even make it to March. So uh, we got to enjoy it while it's here and it is right around the corner. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm ready. I'm super excited. I'm as you alluded to in the open, I'm heading to Terre Haute on Monday to see the game 
And, uh, you know, I've got a lot of games that I'll be at this year. You know, a lot of the home games, several of the road games, like I'm, I'm ready. This is a, a good year. And, uh, and I don't need for them to win 25 games. You know, I want that to happen, but this is all about like showing there is a future, showing that we have the right people and, uh, players in place and that we've got the right process. And I, you know, there can be a lot of good that can come from a season like this and really position our, uh, the program to be able to have more success in the years to come uh, with the players that they have, the players that they're getting. And uh, I'm ready. It seems like, uh, you know, year three of the rebuild, um, we've had the foundation laid. Now it's time to start uh, actually building something here. So, um, but that's going to do it. How about, you know what, Jim, if, uh, if Green Bay wins Monday, we'll do an emergency podcast. You'll probably be at a bar somewhere, but it'll be a, a quick emergency podcast just to, <laughs> to to celebrate the end of a 12-game losing streak against non-D1, <laughs> or excuse me, against D1 non-conference opponents. Yep, I'm definitely definitely uh, available for that podcast. I'll, I'll do it from the Holman Center. I'll do it from the uh, from the arena until the security guards kick me out. So just ring me right away if it's uh, a Green Bay W. Beautiful. Hey, can I do uh, one little shout out here before we uh, wrap up, Brian? Please do. So I just want to make a little bit of note on the business side of the athletic department. The athletic department is in the midst of their annual Phoenix Fund drive. Um, the Phoenix Fund is the philanthropic arm of the athletic department, where you know anybody who'd like to get involved, you know, financially and help, you know, continue to, uh, you know, rise, help the program rise up, can contribute. All all amounts are appreciated. It doesn't have to be a million dollars. It can be a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, or ten thousand um, dollars. You know, some of the things that people sometimes don't remember are, you know, at certain uh, philanthropic levels, there are some incentives. Like, you know, if you're at a certain threshold, you have access to the Phoenix uh, Fund Club Room at the games. And you know, Brian, what's the biggest benefit at the Phoenix Fund Club Room that you've been able to uh, benefit from in the past? What do you remember what that is? Oh yeah, free beer. Free beer, and as I tell so people, <laughs> yep, as I tell people, yes, it's cheaper to buy your own beer. But when you buy your own beer, they go to the stomach, and when you get them from the Phoenix Fund, they go to the heart. So, uh, you know, just remember, it's not a value play; it's all about just supporting the program. And so, we're in the middle of the fund drive, and anybody that'd like to get involved, uh, you know, please do so. If you have questions, if you're not sure, if you're if you don't think it matters, it, it does. Every bit helps. Yeah, the free beer just tastes better. Yes, it's my favorite kind of beer, in fact. <laughs> Perfect. All right, well, safe travels, Jim. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. Go ahead and follow at Fear the Phoenix on Twitter. Give Jim a follow at Jim Saro. You could follow me if you'd like, at Brian Dickman. Um, make sure to check out fearthephoenix.com. Like I said, I'm trying to get some you know, more things written on there. So um, if you know, if reading is more of your thing instead of listening to podcasts. But like I said, we're, we're going to do both. So, um, but thanks again for listening and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. 